Hello, and welcome to the Church Newtown Square podcast. If we can serve you in any way, or if you'd like to learn more about our church family or the Acts 29 network, please visit us at churchnsq.org. That's C-H-V-R-C-H-N-S-Q.org. And now, let's listen in to today's teaching. Let's uh, open up to Acts chapter 6. This morning, I want to ask you a question. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. We're not going to be there for very long. You're going to need your Bibles this morning, but I want you to be uh, in Acts chapter 6 to start. What's the difference between a good wedding and a, and a, and, and a great wedding? Or a great restaurant and a good restaurant? You know what the difference is? You know how you feel? Uh, it, it's the service. It's the service. It's the, it's the great service and the great food. It's the waiters and the waitresses. It's the being at a wedding banquet where like the spread is beautiful and you don't even notice that people are walking around. Next thing you know, you're talking with a friend and someone walks up with a beautiful hors d'oeuvre and you're eating and you're grabbing drinks and you're eating. Next thing you know, dinner is served and you're at the table and you're turning to someone. You turn and your water's filled. It's like magic. You, you, your plates are cleared and you're already dancing on the dance floor and like the cake's cut and it's on the table, and you're like, this is incredible. And the love and the joy is all experienced in such a way because behind the scenes there's a ton of people working to serve food, to make sure that there's uh, transitions from one thing to the next. Uh, If you go to a restaurant, we had some friends that came to us the other day and were like, uh, tried out a new restaurant. I'm not going to say which restaurant it was, but anytime we go to a great restaurant and the service is great, we was like, this, you ought to visit this place. This was the opposite. It was like, we've been to this place. I would not go there. And some of the things that were mentioned was it took them 40 minutes to get their food. You know, like that awkward feeling. You're like, our food should be here. We, we ordered it about an hour ago, you know. If you're getting up, getting your own water refills, you're probably not going to go back to that restaurant. It's waiters and it's special uh, uh, servants of the, the church that allow us to feel the joy of the love of Christ. It's, it's, it's the hearing of uh, my pleasure every time you order a chicken sandwich. It's like uh, the time when you are able to ask a customer service rep uh, a question and they have the answer to it. Uh, this service is the service of the deacon in the local church. So this morning... I want to highlight a particular area of ministry or service in the church because uh, it's not normal usually for me to do a topical study. I enjoy, it's it's much easier for me to work through a book. In fact, I enjoy working through a book uh, chronologically. It's what we do. We, We preach expositorily here. We take a text and we work our way through it. And honestly, it's much easier because once I get done one section, then I go to the next section and it kind of determines what, uh, what it is that I will uh, teach on. But this morning, uh, we're doing this this morning because it, Paul, Greg, and I, who serve as the elders here, uh, and we do that joyfully. We, we, when we talk about where the church is at in the season of life in our church, uh, the reason we're highlighting this time is because it, we feel like it's a good time to, to highlight some things that God's doing here that we ought to be encouraged of before the holidays. We want to highlight a few areas where there should be some great encouragement and I want to encourage you by way of the evidence of God's faithful, faithfulness to us as a church. And one of the evidences of Christ's direct and immediate love for us is the raising up of new leadership in the church. Uh, and I want to encourage you that God is indeed doing that. 
Uh, my, my thoughts turned to this when we were studying in John 13 when Jesus knelt and served the disciples. He washed their feet. And it struck me months ago that that's how Jesus serves. That's how he loves. And how am I serving like that to other people in the church? I was, I was challenged by the reality of my Lord on his knees washing the feet of, of the disciples. And as I began to think about the love of Christ for the church, I began to, to begin to think through, how does Jesus love us? How would we say, oh, that's Jesus loving me? Uh, that's Jesus loving us as a church. And one of the evidences of Jesus' love, his direct and immediate love for us, is the fact that there are people that serve us. And I think that the, the, the challenge is we don't often uh, see it or we don't uh, experience it because we think that it's going to be something like uh, a great sermon or it's going to be something miraculous where Jesus met this need and he did this. But in actuality, in reality, there is Jesus serving his people, serving us and loving us in all sorts of ways. And I thought that it might be good for us to highlight the ways in which Jesus does that and also to encourage us to continue as a church to grow in maturity, as every church needs to do. It's not just our church, but I also hopefully want to, to stir you up into acts of service because when we understand that it is, get this, it is Jesus loving us through us. Jesus loves us by serving through us, through one another, as we serve one another and as we love one another. You could do your own study uh, this afternoon by just uh, doing a word search on the one another's, doing a phrase of what we're called to uh, do for and because of one another, to love one another, to serve one another. And so this morning, I particularly want to highlight uh, the service of deacons in a local church. And the primary text, the starting text, it's not the only text, in the Bible is Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 7. Let me just give you a, just a little bit of a context. In Acts chapter 6, the church is exploding. Luke writes the book of Acts because he wants to show that the Spirit is at work in growing the church. Jesus has given his word to the disciples, and they've been faithful to proclaim that word. And then as Peter gives this phenomenal sermon, and the Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost, people are repenting and believing, and the church is exploding. They're growing. And why are they growing? It's because they're paying attention to the ministry of the word, the, the word that Christ gave the apostles to preach, and the communion of the saints, the fellowship of believers. And so they're spending time together, they're learning, and the church is growing. And with any organization or anything that grows, it needs care and it needs service. And so here in context, what's going on is uh, Jews who are from uh, afar outside of Jerusalem have come to worship and there are Hellenistic Jews, and there's local Jews. Hellenistic Jews are Jews that speak Greek. Uh, and then the local Jews are the ones that speak Greek and Hebrew. Uh, and in those days, it says in verse 1 of chapter 6, the disciples were increasing in number. Followers were, were, were being multiplied. And there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews, the ones that spoke Hebrew, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. They would gather together and they would hand out food and they would meet the, the physical needs of the poor and those who needed it. And so the 12, that's the 12 uh, apostles, the 12 disciples, uh, they added one to their number. Judas was no longer with them. They rolled some dice and said, hey, Matthias is going to be uh, one of the, the 12 with us. You can look at that previously in the, the first chapter of the book of Acts. But the 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples. They had a members meeting. And they said, hey, listen, it would not be right for us to give up the preaching of the word 
to wait on tables, to diakonai, to deacon. That's what that word is, to serve, to, to wait on tables. That's the tense of that language there. They don't want to give up what Christ has told them to do in order to meet the needs of everybody. It was just too much for them. And so they said, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we are going to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And in this proposal seemed good to the whole company. And so they chose Stephen, who was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicolaus, and a convert, who was a convert from Antioch. They were all Greek-speaking, Hellenistic Jewish men. And the reason they chose them was because they seemed the, the best men to serve the Jews who spoke Greek. They were, they were strategic in their choice, and they were specific in their choice because these men weren't just good servants. They were full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And so, what was the result of that? They stood before the apostles. They prayed on, their, the, on them. They laid their hands on them, which was to give them authority. And what happens? In verse 7, we see uh, what is produced by this need being met and the appointment of men who will serve the church. It says that, So the word of God spread, and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. This was an evangelistic move. This was not only helpful meeting the needs of the church, but it also got the gospel out. So when we think about a deacon in a local church, I want to explain to you very briefly. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. I'm going to move fairly at a clip, but I just want to highlight the role of servant leadership in the life of a local church. Uh, first of all, to ask ourselves, what is the question, what is a deacon? When you think of, uh, of deacon or hear the word deacon, you ought to equate that to one who is a servant leader. Deacon equals servant leader. Deacon is really just the English translation of what is the Greek word diakonai or uh, diakonois, plural for servants, one who serves, one who leads in serving. And so deacons are actually Christians who actively serve Jesus by what? Serving his body. They served Jesus by serving his body, the local church, in very specific ways. Uh, one author, Greg Allison, says that these servants, these deacons, serve so much that they're stirring up the dust. They're busy serving in their eagerness to serve one another. Now, what this does not mean is that everyone else is off the hook. It's not, it's not like something where it's like, oh, well, we've got like two or three people that can run the show. We're, the, the, the other 75 of us will just sit and enjoy Right? We all know what it feels like when we're at a holiday meal or, or we're trying to put on an event where, where some of us are working very hard and some of us are not. We can feel that tension. When we think of the word ministry, in the scriptures, ministry is service. When we say we have a men's ministry, we have a service to men in their maturity for Christ. If we have a, a, a ministry to women, it is a ministry, a service to the women so that they might grow. Kids' ministry is service to our kids. The New Testament speaks of all sorts of ministry. Ministry uh, as we live for others in sacrificial worship, Romans 12.1, that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, as living service to others. We, we serve God in worship. We minister to him. We serve him by prayer and worship and song. The preaching of the word is a ministry to the church. And so this Greek word, this servant word, is something that is uh, important for us to understand because it's not just particular service in one area. It's service across the board in the local church. 
It's servant leadership. It's leading in our service to one another. In fact, Jesus thinks deacons are a pretty big deal. Uh, in John 12, 26, he says, if anyone serves me, that word is there, diakono. It's, it's, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my diakoneo, servant, also will be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He says it again in Matthew 26, that whoever wants to become great must become your servant. The greatest among you will be a servant. And so when we think about deacons, we think about servants. Now in the church, there are two offices. There's the office of deacon and the office of elder. I want to explain to you what the office of a deacon is. There are two church offices, like I said, there's the elders and the deacons. If you read through scriptures, you're only going to see two prescribed leadership positions that are actually said, hey, here are the leaders of your church. It is the ones who are elders, overseers, pastors, shepherds. That is, that is one word, the elders, pastors, shepherds, teachers, and then you have your deacons. You have deacons and elders. Uh, but, but first of all, what is an office? What, what are we talking about there? An office is simply just a position in the local church that Jesus seems to have authorized in the body of Christ to serve his people well. And this is where we see the evidence of that in Scripture. I've already pointed you to Acts. So that was the first instance of there being a, a need. Hey, some conflict rises up. We need somebody to, to meet that need. And it seems like there was a distinction between, in the early church, the ones that were, were, were teaching the Word of God, preparing uh, Scripture lessons in the temple or in the homes. And then as the church was gathering, there were other servants that were making sure that when people were packing into the houses, everyone knew where the bathrooms were. Because, I mean, Peter was a long preacher. He would probably preach for like an hour, two hours, three hours. I'm just going to try to do it in 30 minutes. So, you know, at that time, they're like, hey, where's the bathroom at? Can I, oh, the hole is out in the back, the backyard. That's what they, they would need people pointing to holes in the backyard. They would, they would, they would need help handing out uh, the elements of communion. They would actually have meals together. They would need somebody to help gather and organize the meals. There were widows that needed the leftover meal. They would have enough food and give it to the widows and someone would need to distribute it. There were all sorts of needs in the church. And it seems that over time, by the late 60s or the mid-60s AD, after Jesus had been gone at least 30 years, uh, it seems that this office, this position of elder and deacon, seems to be pretty established. We see that in Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. When Paul greets the church, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants, diakonoi of Christ Jesus, to all the saints, that's us, the church, the, the church who are in Christ, in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. It's evidence that it seems that now it has been pretty standard practice for when churches gathered in a home or at large, there were two positions of leadership. And there's a distinction between the overseer and the elder. Paul writes another letter to uh, his uh, protege, Timothy, the man that he disciples. In, in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2-13, through 13, Paul writes to uh, Timothy to, to give him some instructions on what an overseer, an elder, should be like. And he also writes in that list what a deacon should be like. And so he says that an elder should be uh, a man of one wife, self-controlled. They must be sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. They should not be an excessive drinker, not a bully, 
but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, not a Dallas Cowboys fan, nor a Houston Astros fan. Uh, but he must manage his own household competently and have children uh, who are under his control with all dignity. He gives a list of characteristics. And then he says in verse 8, deacons likewise should be worthy of respect. And he goes through and says that they should not be hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, not holding, holding the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. They must be tested first. And if they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. And so this office of deacon seems to be something that is of great importance to the church. And they come out of the membership of the church. So if I were to summarize for you, kind of succinctly, real, real briefly, what deacons do, we would say that one, deacons, servants, serve to support and assist and encourage the pastors, the elders, or the overseers of the church by relieving them of distractions and pressures that would probably divert them from the ministry of the word and prayer. Second, they strive for the unity of the church. There was a, a potential danger in the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews just at battle with one another because they didn't think that they cared for one another. But what the deacons did was they, they bound each one together in love by serving them, by being willing to say, hey, we will make sure that you are cared for. And so they strive for the unity of the church. That's where Acts 6 is a key text. Now, what we don't get is a specific thing that deacons necessarily have to do. They're servants. It's a broad word. Uh, they can serve in all sorts of ways. Uh, these deacons don't just serve tables. It's translated serve tables because that was how the, the Greek world thought of them. They were, they were servants. Think of, again, your best waiter or waitress at a, at a restaurant. You enjoy the fact that they are there in a, in a there's a timing there, right? When you're down and sitting for a meal, you, you have this kind of sense of, shouldn't I be getting, oh, there it is, there's the appetizers that we ordered. And just as you're wrapping up the appetizers, they're like, hey, here's your main entree. You're like, man, this, is, this timing is perfect. Would you like a drink, sir? Yes, I would. Like, but but when, you're, when your plate is empty and your, 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 your need's not being met, and you start getting what? You start getting agitated. You're like, this place is not very good. And then I, you, you hope it picks up. In the same way, a healthy church healthy church is led by a plurality of servant leadership in the plurality of elder leadership. There's not just one leader who's surrounded by a bunch of people that just do whatever they say. No, it, it, is, a, it is a team of men who are qualified. It seems like there are qualified men uh, in this list, and they're not to be women in terms of elder leadership. Uh, but yet there are also another team of people who are servants of the church that are men and women, that, that deacons who enjoy a good standing before the congregation, they're able to serve, they're competent, they're faithful, they've been tested, they've, they've had something in their charge and it's gone really well. It seems that these are the ones who we look to and say, you know what, we, we need your service in the church because you are helping us accomplish what we are called to accomplish as elders or pastors. We, we preach, we teach, we, we spend time praying, we think about the whole of the church, and as we're thinking about that and apply God's word to the health of the church, we need servants to be on the background, to be on the sides, to be in the middle of making sure that needs are being met. Does that make sense? And the way that we identify and develop our deacons is pretty easy. We just notice people serving. We don't just be like, it's not like Oprah. It's like, hey, you're a deacon. You're a deacon. 
you get a car, you get a car. Do you everybody remember when, when Oprah was throwing out gifts like a rock star? That's not how it works in the church. Just because, like, hey, you've got a right hand, deacon, servant. Man, you've got some skill sets. We may want you to be a deacon, but there are things that you have to do, namely, you, you actually necessarily have to serve first before you're able to be seen. And even sometimes people who serve the best aren't even seen. They're in the background. We just realize, like, man, for what, how, did, how did the wine and the, the juice and the bread appear? Just kind of like, did it just appear there? No, there's somebody unseen behind there. Now, because there is a distinction between the office of elder and deacon, the, the, the office of elder is very clearly laid out. Look with me. If, let's go back to Timothy. Let's, uh, let me just show you this really quick. Because the question is, why do men and only men serve in the office of elder? And why does that mean that deacons should also be men? Or, or can it be men and women? And I've already said that both men and women. The question is, can men and women both serve as deacons? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, they can. Let me show you here. There is a clear gender distinction between the office of elder and deacon. If anyone aspires in chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. He must be a husband of one wife. It is, it is very clear that the, the office of elder is to be uh, one of uh, a male headship that models the headship of Jesus Christ. But in Ephesians 5, Paul says the headship of Jesus Christ is husbands love your wives as Christ served the church, gave himself up for the church. And so in that headship, there's an, an inherent responsibility to be the servant. So the role of the elder and my role as a pastor and an elder and my role in serving the word is to not be over you necessarily. It is to be, to be serving you, to lift you up so that you might be like Christ. Christ is my shepherd, he's my head, and just like marriage models the lordship of Jesus Christ and his love for his bride, so also the elder is supposed to love the bride, the church, by serving you, by lifting you up. That's why we want to lift up women here and elevate them in their gifts and their, and their, their um, leadership capabilities, and we want to encourage them to use their gifts and to, to serve in the church and be all that they can be because that's what Christ has called us to do. Now, in the role of deacon, look at verse 8. Deacons, it says, should likewise be worthy of respect, not hypocritical. And there's a list there, and they also uh, seem to be men until you get to verse 11. It says, wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. And then it goes back to deacons are to be husbands of one wife. What's going on there? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but that word there, Wives can either be translated wives or woman. It's the word gunikas. Say with me gunikas. Just mumble that all afternoon, just gunikas. It just, just rolls off. It's a fun word to say. Gunikas. It's wife or woman. And it seems in context here, it would be strange to say that Paul is laying out a, a, a qualification for an elder and not to mention the elders' wives. There's no mention of an elders' wives. If you skim through here, there's no, there's no phrase here, no sentence that says, and an elders' wife must be. 
which leads us to believe, and in my opinion, I think the, the better translation would be here, women deacons. Deacon S's might be the way that you could say it, but a female deacon must also be worthy of respect because historically women were the primary best servants. Of the church. They were, you think about the women in the New Testament, Lydia, and you see the list of, of Paul saying hello to uh, the women in the church who hosted churches in their homes and they served. Undoubtedly, women were deacons as well. And so the clear distinction here is that there is uh, a role that is to be held uh, by men, which is the elders, and then the role that is held by women and men in the service to the church as deacons. So we, as a church, which if you're, not, uh, if you're here for the first time and uh, you want to learn more about our church, that's what Church 101 is, that Andrew said. It is uh, on the 6th at 11.30, right after this worship. We, as a church, believe in having a plurality of male elder leadership and a plurality of male and female deacon leadership that work together, which we believe is a biblically faithful model, and it is a doctrinally sound way of structuring a local church. So, a deacon is a servant of the church. Men and women can serve in it. Uh, what are the, the responsibilities of a deacon? There really is no job description other than service to the church. Uh, the deacon and the word deacon isn't specific to any particular task. Uh, a deacon serves wherever there is a need. Uh, but a local church has the freedom to structure it however they want. And so you may have come from a tradition or a background where the deacon functioned more like an elder. Like you're like, wait a minute, I'm studying this. We had deacons that were pastors of the church. There, we didn't have elders. The deacons were at the top. That, that might be uh, a one way of communicating or structuring the church, but it seems that deacons are not elders. Elders are elders and deacons are deacons. There's a, there's a clear distinction between the two. You might have had deacons at your church that were primarily responsible for, I don't know, just mowing the lawn, or they were taking out the trash, which are roles, but deacons are much broader than that. Deacons serve wherever there is a need. There is a job description for elders, though. We are to uh, be focused on the ministry of the Word and the prayer and oversight of this for the church to see the broad picture, to care for needs, to, to preach the Word, to teach well, to make sure that we're learning healthy, sound doctrine. But the deacons, they serve in support of that. And so we have need for leading music. We have need for preparing communion. There's need to serve in kids' ministry. There's need to help keep the grounds well. There's need for changing toilet paper rolls. Thank God for people that change the toilet paper rolls, right? Too much? TMI? Okay, sorry. So, the responsibilities of a deacon uh, is such that there's a distinction between the elders and the deacon, but basically a church can organize our deacon leadership, our servant leadership, however we see fit. And so, it's important to understand some basic principles here. One, there is, uh, there is a, uh, not much of a difference uh, between how we serve one another and how deacons serve the church. We're, we're called to serve one another anyway. So you're not off the hook. We're not like, hey, if, we, if a church has a group of deacons who are serving and leading, you don't just be like, well, I'm on cruise control. No, no, no. We serve one another. That's what we're called to do. We're called to love one another. If there's any opportunity to serve, no one should ever say, well, I don't know. I don't have a, I'm not a deacon, so I can't really do that. I don't know how to do that. No, no. We serve 
because Jesus got on his knees and served. He washed his disciples' feet. He says, he says I'm the Lord of the universe. This is how I want to model and set a pattern for service in the church. But Christians, though we're called to be faithful members of a church family, deacons, however, are members of a local church who lead in the serving. They lead in the serving, and they help ministries run smooth and effectively. And there's no, really, uh, there's no real mandate either to, to call people deacons unless a particular church uh, really wants to. Uh, I know lots of friends who their, their deacon teams are servant leadership teams. They don't, they don't call them deacons. And, and you don't need to go around calling each other, you know, Elder Tom or Deacon Dave. Like, don't, don't, no, don't say that. Just, just call me Tom. Call, call Dave Dave. Greg is Greg and Paul is Paul. And, uh, you know, we don't need to use those, those titles in terms of our names. Some people like to do that. We don't do that here at Church in Town Square. Because we have the freedom to just name what we see. We name what we see. We see these people serving. We, we see those who serve as elders. They're appointed as elders. Uh, they do have and carry the weight uh, of the oversight of the church. And then we have servants of the church that are, are tasked with particular responsibilities to help the elders. And so we don't necessarily need to call deacons a particular name, but we do because it's faithful to the text. We just feel like it just makes it easier. This is a deacon team and this is the elder team. It just, it is what it is, and so we're faithful to the text. And so the reason, why should you care about all of this? Some of you, I, you, you might, you're fading, and, and, and believe it or not, I'm at the end of the sermon. Why should you care? So what? Who care? Why did you just ramble on about that? Well, here's why. One, um, deacons are essential to the effectiveness of a local church. Okay, so what? What's the effectiveness of the local church? Like, why do we exist? Well, the so what here is that as you and I are being served, right? So like, I think that we think Jesus is going to appear to us in service to us in, in super obvious ways all the time. And that's true. There are times where we're like, man, I had a need and it was met and that was Jesus. But as you and I are being served, even now, right now, Jesus is serving us through those who are right now serving our kids back in kids' ministry. They're serving us right now. Jesus is serving us. Jesus serves us through us. As you and I are being served in ways unseen, do you know, uh, you know how Jesus serves us? He serves us through Sean Chupless, who manages our money extremely well. And he man- he's going to have a budget that's going to be like, orderly, and, and he's going to be able to describe you. You don't see the hours he gives to that. It's Jesus serving us through him. Ron, Andrew, Michelle, Laura, Liz, John and Nancy, all sorts of folks behind the scenes that are doing things that you're like, I didn't know that was going on, but yet you're being served. Yet we're here in a building that's not falling apart, that if it was to catch on fire, we would be safe because we have an, an alarm system that was installed. Look at that. Did you know that's Jesus serving us? I would like to know if the building is on fire. I want to be alarmed so that I can run out screaming. After you've all left, though, first. I would, I'll run out after you all run out. 
<laughs> Somebody had to manage that. Tim Sandville was here, and he's on our staff, but like he served it. Jesus serves us through one another. And I, I think that we, we, we lose sight of that. The simple things, that Jesus is closer, he dwells closer to us, he serves us, he's more active in serving us than we sometimes realize or notice. And the reason I want you to know that, why should you care, is because that sometimes we feel like we're not loved by Jesus. We feel, and I use that, sometimes we feel like we're not loved by Jesus. But I want to I remind you that you are loved by Jesus. And sometimes it's not in huge ways. Sometimes it's like every time you show up here, the fact that we're able to gather and hear the word, you are being loved by Jesus. So for every little thing that we see, we can say, that's Jesus loving me. Or you can say, that's Jesus loving our kids. Because it is. It's not, it doesn't come from us. It's Jesus through us. Here's the second reason why you should care. Remember, because Jesus is serving through imperfect people, He's serving through imperfect people. This is all the more why we need one another's grace. He is serving you through me, and I am an imperfect person. I know. Let's just take a moment, let that sink in. But let's see the practicality of that. How often do we get annoyed with someone who doesn't meet our need in the way that we want them to? How often do we think, oh, that person's not even meeting the need? How often do we get frustrated with things that we're not seeing going on in the church yet? However, you don't know the conversations that are happening because things take time. And instead of just saying to ourselves, you know what? Jesus does love us, and he is serving us, and we are all imperfect people. All the more I should give grace to those who he's trying to filter through because you as well are being used by God to love through other people. And if you're not perfect, then neither am I. And so why should you care? Because even though imperfectly we're being served, you're still being loved by Jesus. And that it can be a very encouraging thing. Finally, when we serve in whatever capacity, service to the church is helpful for our walk in Jesus because we are modeling and submitting ourselves to his model, which is on the day that he was about to be crucified, he took off his outer garment, wrapped it around his waist, got on his knees, picked up his disciples' feet, and washed them clean. And if Jesus can do that, then I can certainly do something that is in service to somebody else. And so I want to encourage you that the promises that God gives, Jesus promised that he would give, give gifts to his church. And the way that he does that is he raises up leadership. And in particular, we have deacons that are being raised up. In the last few months, a few have been going through the deacon candidate process. And that is just to, to identify and equip people that are gifted in leading. And it doesn't necessarily mean when you go through a candidate process that you are automatically uh, going to be uh, labeled a deacon. That's for us to present to you on November 20th to say, here are some people that we think should be nominated to have responsibility over the areas of ministry that they're leading and they're serving the church in that is non-elder. And by the way, they're already doing it. So Michelle Chuplis is, is, is a deacon. She's serving the church. She's not paid on our staff is uh, she is serving because that's how she serves. So she should be labeled the honor of saying, you're, you're responsible for this. You're, you're a deacon. We want to honor that and approve that. 
Andrew McLathery, who leads us through the, the announcement so beautifully each week. It's incredible. I, wanna, I tear up every time. you. That's not true. I'm lying right now. Sorry. But you do a wonderful job. And he is here serving. He helps prepare uh, the community. He has been here, and he's just jumped in and serving. And so we, he's a deacon. He's serving. Ron leads us in music. He is in the background helping all the musicians, and he, he's overseeing some of the, the schedule. And he serves, and even though he's not up here, he's serving. He serves behind the scenes, and so he's going through the, the process. We just name it what we, what we see. And what is that evidence of? That's evidence of God's care and concern for us. He loves us, and he's raising up leaders in our church. And that's an encouraging thing because this was not happening uh, as often. And we, we have a group of men that are going through a, a preaching cohort. Yesterday I met with three different men in the church who want to grow in their preaching and their teaching. And God promises that he raises up evangelists and pastors and teachers and preachers. And that is evidence of life in us. Because when we're flourishing and we're growing in health and the life of the church is, 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 is growing and, and building itself up, you, you see these evidences of that. And the elders and I want to encourage you, if you're discouraged at any level uh, uh, for whatever reason, I just want to point your attention to the fact that Jesus is present with us and he's doing things and he loves us. And the reason why he's doing all of these things, specifically in raising up new deacon leadership, is because he wants to serve us through us for his glory and for our good. The sermon you've just listened to is a presentation of Church Newtown Square. To find out more about our church, check out churchnsq.org. That's C-H-V-R-C-H-N-S-Q dot org. You are welcome to copy and distribute this sermon to others as long as you do not do it for commercial purposes or alter, transform, or build upon this talk in any way.